Are you looking for a great sci-fi read? If so, be sure and grab The Return by best-selling author Gabriella Balcom. Readers are calling it a thrilling ride that's fascinating and amazing. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground, and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay as they are. It's 2030, and scientists have made numerous scientific advances. They use cutting-edge technology with their feline service units and human replicas, HRs as they're commonly known. However, most of the research being conducted in the facility is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd be clamoring for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. More and more of the HRs are dying, and they long for freedom. One of the top scientists isn't happy with the situation either. Tensions are mounting, and things are not as they appear. Other reader comments about The Return include, This is a thrilling ride. I hope there's a sequel. Man, it got me hooked. Best plot twist I've read in a book. You'll love this book. It had me on the edge of my seat. For more of Gabriella's works, check her out on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. Vampire, werewolf, djinn, phoenix, shapeshifter, and witch. They all came from somewhere. Six humans started the ritual. Six supernaturals walked away. But they left behind the one person who could destroy them all. Reese. Now she seeks vengeance on those who stole their power from her body. She seeks her children, for they will pay the ultimate penance. Available at MythMart.com, Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes and & Noble. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on our way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 132. I think. <sighs> you should be used to this. This is not unfamiliar to you people. I do this quite often where I will go and check what podcast I'm on and why did I just go to works in progress? No, we want podcasts. My brain has been stuck on works in progress. Um, and I'm still waiting for housekeeping. <laughs> Uh, 132. Yes, it is episode 132. I am, as always, your host, Lupa. That never changes. That is never going to change. I'm not going to have a guest host. I'm not going to have a substitute. A substitute. <laughs> a substitute 
host. Nobody is going to fill in for me while I'm away. It is always going to be me. All right. Housekeeping. Uh, nope, not yet. I'm still waiting. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, no, he's telling me, keep talking, keep talking. I'm talking. He just doesn't like what I'm saying because, you know, he's taking forever. Because he has to copy and paste it from somewhere else. Because <laughs> I'm not the only one that does this housekeeping. Um, the big news in housekeeping, the most important news in housekeeping, at least for me and my listeners, is the fact that finally... After numerous misfires and um, issues, uh, yes, mistakes were made, um, my book, Penance, has finally launched. It is available on mythmart.com, M-Y-T-H-M-A-R-T.com. It is available on Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes and Nobles, and within the next week or so, it will be up on Kobo and Indigo for those in Canada that are listening. Um, I'm very excited about it. It was a very painful process to write the book. Uh, I went through a lot uh, writing the book. Oh, I think there's a burp coming. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Nope. Um, Oh, I lied. There it is. Excuse me. Okay, so I went through a lot of emotional turmoil and ups and downs writing the book. Not that writing the book was the emotional part. It was where I was at um, mentally with my mental health and physically. I was in my real life. I was struggling and it kind of crossed over into struggling to write. So... The fact that this book even got finished on time is a miracle in and of itself. And then we, oh, you heard the ding, guess what? Housekeeping is ready. So we will save the rest of this story for after I do housekeeping. So, do 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 do. like I've already said, and I'm just going to reiterate because it's me, and you all know this podcast is all about me. I am the only important one in this podcast. <laughs> Yes, I'm a little cocky today because I have had zero sleep. Okay, again, that'll get explained later too. This is going to be a little bit of a cranky, I've got a few things I want to rant about uh, podcast. I've had some things that have been stewing um, for about a week. And the reason I'm, I'm actually recording this on Thursday. I usually record Tuesday or Wednesday. But I am recording this on Thursday because I was waiting for... My book to be published which was supposed to come out on tuesday so that's the story okay number one dark myth publications is proud to announce the release of stephanie j barty's newest book penance that's me you can grab a hardback yes ladies and gentlemen it is a hardback cover you can grab the book and you can knock on it and it's gonna make a sound hardback cover at MythMart or an ebook on Amazon Kindle. Uh, Dark Myth Comics is expecting their first shipment of American Smash, number one, to come in to be sent off as promotional items for a comic for for comic book stores in the US. <laughs> Look at the editing on the fly. 
Jaisomod cast. Okay, let's try that again. All right. Jaisomod cast network after a two year absence would like to welcome back Grindhouse Sleaze back to the airwaves. <laughs> and if you recognize that, that's because I did the intro. The boys are back and they are tearing up the airwaves with really, 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 sometimes really, really bad movies. And their take, and, and sometimes they have good movies as well. Um, and their take on the cinematography, the acting, the directing, the writing, the scene selection, everything. These guys will hash it out and give their opinions. And I will tell you, nine times out of ten, these boys don't agree. So it is interesting to listen to the two of them argue back and forth as to why one thinks this was a great scene, the way it was shot, and the other one as to why it sucked. Donkey dung. <laughs> because that is something else that you will figure out listening to this podcast, is that when they disagree... Boy, are their opinions on either end of the spectrum. They could not meet in the middle if you drew them a line and led them to it. There is no way it was going to happen. So Grindhouse Sleaze, you can catch that every... Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday um, on the JZO Modcast Network or wherever you ingest podcasts into your ear holes so that could be itunes that could be <laughs> that could be spotify that could be sirius xm that could be pandora <laughs> i'm getting coached <laughs> like i'm going to forget because you know i might but anyway so you'll have to pardon the background noise I am podcasting during the day, so things are a little louder. I have closed the windows, so I am sweating like a stuck pig in July. Well, it is July. Um, it's a little warm in here. The temperature is starting to go up. But I needed to do it for the quiet because it's really loud on my street. Okay, so uh, number four. Myth Mart now has its main warehouse in Wisconsin and is ready to ship your national orders. So that's t-shirts, that's everything that we have on the website. So, and you really gotta check out the, t the latest t-shirts. We have like five new ones up there. And um, they the graphics were done by uh, Walter G. Esselman and they are incredible. I absolutely love them. And you know, when finances allow, I will be getting um, some of the shirts because there's one of my favorite ones as well. And it's um, the cop comes in and he's looking up and there's a demon on the ceiling. And he's like, well, shit. <laughs> and you can just, you can just hear that like, oh no. <laughs> I, and that is my absolute favorite out of all of them. I love that shirt. Um, that and there's um, a caffeinated one too. I love that one too, the caffeinated one. Oh yeah, and friends don't let friends go in the basement. <laughs> That's a good one too. They're all really good. They're all my favorites, but I have my top three and those are my top three. Okay, 
So, number five. The votes are in. I know you've all been waiting for this. Drum roll, please. I can't do a drum roll. So, you know. There we go. Okay. Um, the fifth annual. Fifth. Fifth. Five. Fifth. Annual. Open. Yes, I am dragging this out because I know y'all are sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to hear. Uh, the fifth annual Open Contract Challenge finalists for the 2023 Open Contract Challenge year are, in no particular order, tied together, Adele Evershed and James Rumpel. Congratulations to everyone who participated, and there were a lot. Thank you to everyone who participated in our fifth year. Uh, congratulations on entering and making the top 20 and, you know, moving on. And I hope to see you guys all back next year. You know, you never know. We have had contestants that have entered and entered and haven't won and haven't won and haven't won. And then boom, first place. Mr. Esselman. <laughs> He's a good one. Talk to him. He'll tell you. Uh, wow, that's a big truck. We had a huge storm last night, so there's a lot of repair work going on in town today. So congratulations, Adele and James. Um, I've always been a fan of both of your writing. So... Um, for the two finals, Adele and James are now going to have to go head to head with their completed manuscript. And that is going to go to last year's grand prize winner, Cliff Flint. And he will choose this year's first place recipient. So Adele, James, start your computers, polish your keyboard and get ready to submit the absolute best version of your manuscript that you can. Good luck to you all. May the gods be, may, may, what, oh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember what it is. Hang on, because I got to use it now. May the odds be forever in your favor. Is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that is housekeeping. Um. Okay. So you know what? We're just gonna. I was gonna wait. I was gonna save it for later in the podcast. But let's just dive into the trauma that has been my week. So, got the finished manuscript to the publisher. And did the cover art myself. I made the cover. Got that to the publisher. And we figured, all right, everything's groovy. He submitted everything. Um, now, in hindsight, there are um, actual bonuses to all of this happening. But as I was going through all of this happening, um, I didn't see those bonuses. And I was even second guessing my capability and my validity as just even a human being, never mind a writer. 
So, okay. Everything. First cover, manuscript, off it goes. Submitted. Didn't think about it again. So the publisher, um, was it a couple of days later, day later, checks his emails as one does. And there's an email going, nope, not that cover. Can't do that cover. There could possibly maybe some point in time or already existing be a copyright issue. They didn't say there was a copyright issue. They said there could possibly be maybe a copyright issue. Can you prove that you have rights to this cover? Um, okay. So we send them, they give us a list of ways to prove. So I, because I created it, I sent the proof to the publisher. The publisher sent it to the Amazonian. Yeah, screw it, to Amazon. And I'm going to call them out, sent it to Amazon and um, left it at that. We did what they asked. We gave them what they were looking for. We moved on. So day goes by. We're getting closer to release day. Publisher checks his emails. Nope. Rejected. Copyright issue. All right, fine. You know what? Screw it. I will just redo the cover. I will figure something. So I redid the cover. I used the same template and added some things, did some things to it, moved it over, blurred it, changed the coloring. It did not look like the original cover. Sent it back and left it. He checked the next day, checked his emails. Because I, I asked, you know, was it accepted? Oh, yeah, well, I don't know. Let me check. So, checked his emails. Nope. Copyright issue. What? On what? A blur? So, all right, fine. Now I'm pissed. I'm completely over the first cover. And I think the reason why I was attached to that cover is because that has been the cover of the book for about five months now. I created that cover. I was messing around with my my um, program and I came across it and I created that cover and I fell in love with it immediately. I'm like, that's the cover. So I had been bonded to this cover for about five or six months now. And they're telling me no. Wait, what? I don't generally take being told no very well. <laughs> so, okay, fine. You know what? I'm going to create a cover that they can't scream possible copyright on. So I created a cover. I used my own face on the cover. My own image on the cover. Created a red eye in paint. I cut out my own eyeball, put it in paint, created the red eye effect, put it back into the picture. Okay. I went into my bathroom with a camp flashlight and created the cover. I thought there's no possible way they can reject this. It's my face. Sent it off to them. 
We didn't think anything of it. We figured that was the end of it. They would accept it. It would launch on Tuesday, on the 11th, and all would be well in the world. So Monday afternoon, I, you know, for shits and giggles, I was a little grouchy by this point in time, so it wasn't really a whole lot of giggles. It was more shits and grumpies. Uh, happened to say, you know, have you heard back about the cover yet? And I I got a, oh no, let me check. So he checked. Rejected for possible copyright infringement. I beg your pardon? That's my face. What do you mean copyright infringement? There better not be another another cover out there with my face on it. I, I, yes, there's dead silence because he's waving at me and making lip movements and I cannot read his lips. He speaks with an Arkansas Californian accent, so reading his lips is a little difficult. And they threaten to cancel our account. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. In the email. Oh, okay. So they also threatened to cancel our business account. Um, wait, what? <laughs> so, uh, Dave, as you all have probably figured out by now, is the publisher. He got on the phone. He's the CEO, too. Co-publisher. Sorry, co-publisher. Kevin is the other co-publisher Kevin Adams so anyway Dave gets on the phone with KDP he's like what the hell and I mean he probably used far more professional words and language than I would have used because by this point in time I was done I was over it I'm like you know what maybe this is a sign that this book should not be published just let's just forget it I don't want to do it anymore. This was no longer the author experience that I wanted, that I had expected. Because we treat our authors really, really well. And um, I was not having a good time. <laughs> I was not having fun anymore. So he gets on the phone with them and they're like, well, do you have rights to this cover? And he's like, it's the author's face. Yes, the author created the cover for her book. That's her face. That's the author's face. Yes, but do you have rights to it? Yes, it's the author's face. So now they want proof that he has rights, that Dark Myth Publications has rights to my image to be used on my book, with the cover that I created. So I had to give him a video stating who I was, what I created, what the cover was, whose face that is on the cover, and yes, Dark Myth Publications has rights to my face to put it on my book. Apparently they didn't like that. Because they still didn't approve it. So, launch day comes and goes. And there's no book. It's 
not out there in the world like it's supposed to be. I had to take down every ad that I had done on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Um, I had to email and message people that were waiting to go and purchase books. Don't go and purchase this book. That's not the cover. That's It's not available. It's not released. Don't go and buy one. Because at this point in time, I didn't know if it was ever going to be released. So I didn't want people going and buying it and then having to, you know, refund all these people all their money. So I was absolutely miserable on Tuesday. I was very depressed. I spent most of the day in tears. Um, I do have to give a shout out to uh, Crystal who once she was done with her daily obligations, she spent the day with me. She sat with me. She listened to me cry. She listened to me rant. She listened to me rave. She listened to me get angry. I think I ran the gamut of grief emotions <laughs> in probably a space of like two hours <laughs> in audio messages to her. And she just let them come. And then when I would pause to take a breath, she would send me an audio message. And then she would wait because there would be another flurry of messages coming through. So um, we even watched um, a show that night. Now, we had spent Monday together, too, because I was having what I didn't realize there was such a thing, but it makes complete and total sense. I felt really blah on Monday, just really down. And I didn't know why. I was excited. My book was coming out the next day. And I just but I just felt blah. And she explained it to me. She has a lot of writer friends, author friends, as do I. But as writers, we don't really communicate with each other. We don't have a self-help group where we can go and we, we sit and we talk with each other and say, yeah, you know, this is what I experienced. When writers get together, we talk about writing. We don't talk about all of the emotions and background stuff that happens behind the scenes of sitting at the keyboard and, and pounding out that book. Um, and she said what I was experiencing, like every writer knows when they finish a book and they put it out into the world, it's like releasing your child and letting them go out and play with strangers. You know, you, you have given birth to that book. Basically you have created numerous lives and, and, um, worlds and depending on what you're writing sometimes galaxies so when you finish that book and you type those two words the end it's it's like that final push and there it is it's a thing it's an entity now it is a complete package and then you send it out into the world so what i was experiencing was author postpartum that that let down after like it's over well now what like I, I have that that drive is gone because it's done that urgency is gone because it's done you know so Monday we spent her and I spent Monday together and she's now keep in mind she is two provinces away so it was through messaging and um, we decided Monday we were going to watch 
uh, ghost adventures together because we couldn't decide on a movie and it was getting later. She is an hour ahead of me. So it was getting later and ghost adventures always puts us in a good mood. Kind of <laughs> because we spend the entire show ragging on Zach. That is like our thing. And I actually did say to her, I think in like the second episode, we I said, why do we watch this? We never have anything nice to say. We're always going, that's not right. You're an idiot and you deserve a funk in the forehead. And she's like, well, that's exactly why we watch it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now that I know why we watch it and we're no longer pretending that we actually enjoy the show, but we are watching it just to tear up Zach Baggins and to hear him scream like a little girl because he really does have this high pitched feminine scream. It's kind of funny. And to listen to him rag on Aaron and send Aaron in and send Billy in. And, and um, we do love Jay. Jay is really, really cool. We do love Jay. Uh, Jay knows what he's doing. And the one episode we watched, he actually did a salt circle around him. And then he called on his personal protectors and his personal guardians and created a protective circle around him. And they were doing, um, oh, um, uh, full spectrum imaging. And you can see the glow of the circle around him. And you can see this there's this this ball of energy that came at him and it like it literally looked like it hit the wall of the circle and bounced off <laughs> and everything the temperature all around the outside of the circle was changing the temperature inside the circle was remaining the same so scientific proof that circles of protection do work i'll give him that very very cool anyway so she spent Tuesday with me um, and she, I, I don't know how to say this without inadvertently, unintentionally hurting somebody's feelings, but um, she was the only person that I actually wanted to spend that time with because the one person that I should have been able to turn to that I should have been able to cry and vent and, and yell and scream and be angry and all of that was also the person that was involved in the, the kerfuffle that was the cover. <laughs> so I couldn't, it was, it, it's a really, really difficult position to be in when your boyfriend is also your publisher. Because when you get pissed at your publisher, you can't complain to your boyfriend. So, I have a crystal. And I have a Misha. And the two of them got me through it. So, anyway. So now, he gets on the phone at 4 o'clock in the morning with KDP, with Amazon. and says, look it. We did what you asked. We have jumped through every single hoop that you have required us to jump through. I sent you a video of a very restrained. I mean, you could hear the veiled anger <laughs> in my tone. <laughs> but I was very articulate. 
and very clear on what I was saying and what was happening and who I was giving permission to for what. So he gets on the phone with them and we win. Yay! So let me realize there's a spelling mistake. Well, it wasn't really a mistake. It was a, a stutter of letters. <laughs> power. There was an extra W in power. Poweewer. Poweewer. That was it. That's how you pronounce it. Poweewer. So, I mean, I was even willing to toss around the idea of creating a new kind of power that's called Poweewer. Um... <laughs> trying to think up like the history as to why it's called this and just so that we didn't have to change anything but it's okay because why wait hold on I'm having phone issues oh well that would explain there we go okay i'm back and we're fixed and i almost broke my back scratcher and that would have been horrible because it's bamboo so it's like you hear that yeah it's firm and it's stiff and, oh man, can it scratch back? Oh yeah. I have yet to tell my boyfriend that I am in a monogamous relationship with my back scratcher. But anyway. Okay, so where was I? Right. So Wednesday, no book. Still not out. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, what is going on? So he goes and he checks and what's really, really messed up is when we submitted the new cover, the one with my face on it, it was accepted for the ebook cover right away. Psst, no problems. Ebook cover. In you go. The second cover that we had submitted was accepted for the ebook. But it wasn't accepted for the hardback. Now, how can that even be remotely possible? <clears throat> so, Wednesday, no book. That was yesterday. And I, I decided, you know what? Actually, yesterday, we still hadn't heard that whether or not it was approved. He had gotten on the phone. He had argued with them. And they said, like, all right, fine. But they still hadn't changed it in the system. So I decided yesterday, you know what? I, I, I need, I have not been out of the apartment in about a week. I need to go outside into the people. <laughs> you all know how I feel about going out into the people. I need, I need sunlight. I need fresh air. I need different scenery. So I have another book that I'm writing called Magically Bound. You've heard me talk about it. It is becoming like eternally bound, you know, the bane of my existence. Well, this is Bane's daughter. So I found out that there is a pioneer village near where I live in Georgina. It's up on the rock and it's a whole bunch of houses like from pioneer houses that they moved to one particular spot and created like this little village and you can go and check it out. So I was fully prepared to pay admission um, and then I get there and find out that um, admission to the park is by donation. You don't have to pay, but they appreciate it when you do. So I did. I made a donation. It's only $5, but still, you know. 
And then I'm looking at them and I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be able to go in the buildings because there's nobody there. There's no tour guides. There's no um, security walking around. It's just like, it looks like an abandoned town, really. A well-kept abandoned town. So I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going to be able to look in the windows. I'll be able to sit on the porches. I'll be able to feel the wood and the energy of each building. And I get to the first one. I'm walking down the road. And I get to the first one. And I look and I'm like, holy crap, the door's like open a crack. Is that a mistake? So I go up to the door. And oh, anyway, that's that's a different story. So I get there. I get a message from Dave. He's awake three-hour time difference, so I'm usually up and doing things by the time he wakes up. And he mumbles something because so it's really, he's really hard to understand when he's like, I swear, before his brain is even fully awake, he reaches over, grabs the phone, and sends me a good morning video. Because sometimes I haven't a clue what he's saying, but it just looks so darn cute that, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, mumbling, uh, book's been accepted. That's pretty much all I got out of that message. And really, that was the important part. So I got the news. My book had been accepted. The cover had been accepted. Yay. Happy day. So now I'm not, that's not hanging in the back of my head anymore. I can enjoy. Oh, he's giving me this really sweet look. What? You forgot the power part. Oh, yeah, I haven't got there yet. I haven't got there yet. Yes, I'm going to go back to that. But that didn't happen until later. So then I thought, okay, you know what? I can go and I can enjoy my day, which is going to be the next story. So I go and I do my thing. I come home and Misha messages me. So was the cover accepted? I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. So I sent it to her. Now, I sent her the one that Dave had sent me a few days ago that we had submitted. And she emails back. She says, you know what? That is my favorite cover anyway. I love that cover better than the other two and that's what everybody has said that, that that this was the better cover out of the three um i don't see it because it's my face but anyway so she's like i love that co cover but you might want to fix the spelling the spelling mistake i'm like do what now wait what she says you might want to fix the spelling mistake wait what do you mean spelling mistake there are no spelling mistakes and she's like there's an extra w in power and i'm like no so I go and look, and sure enough, P-O-W-E-W-E-R, power. Oh, no. So I'm panicking at this point because what do, what, do, what do I do? What do I do? We finally get it accepted, and now I have to say to him, after all of this going back and forth, and the funny thing is, is that neither one of us noticed it. We didn't see it. Or at least so I assumed but the going back and forth with this, neither one of us noticed it. So I, I'm, I'm pacing and I'm, it took me like, I don't know, a good hour before I could message him and say, um, because I was terrified that he was going to get mad because it would have resulted in having to pull it down after it had already been accepted pull it down, fix the mistake, and resubmit it. <laughs> Running the risk <laughs> that they may reject it again. And it costs money to do that. So 
I'm I'm sweating bullets by this point in time. And I'm thinking, why am I upset? Wait, I'm upset because now this is my mistake. <laughs> Crap. After all me ragging on him about, you know, the whole cover thing. And now I have to go to him hat in hand and go, well, now we have my mistake. <laughs> so I sent him a message and I'm like, look, if it's going to cost money or if it's going to be a problem, we'll just leave it. We'll just go with it. I don't care at this point, whatever. And he videos me back and he has the camera on his computer screen and he's like, I saw it. I fixed it. It's all good. You know, to tell you that I was not emotionally high strung by this point to begin with would be putting it mildly. I immediately burst into tears and I think I sent him a video to say thank you and tell him he was awesome, but I'm pretty sure what he got was... I'm sure he understood what I said, <laughs> but I was like, I was bawling like, oh my God. Uh, so now that all the drama is over, y'all better go buy one. <laughs> this, was a, this was a difficult book to get launched. I'm not kidding. And um, today we actually fixed. If you go to mythmart.com. It will show you the price in American dollars and you can choose, uh, you can, in the drop down menu, you have to choose American dollars or Canadian dollars. So if you're Canadian, choose Canadian dollars. So then you'll know what the actual price is when you're done. And it's not that expensive for a hardback book. So don't come at me with that. Anyway, so that is the uh, 38 minute trauma of publishing my book. <laughs> Apparently, I am a good writer and I should be writing and I'm going to continue to write. But there was a point in time that um, I actually sat with my work in progress folder open and uh, Dave doesn't know this and I'm probably going to get yelled at or at least get a dirty look. I sat with my work in progress folder open and I had them all highlighted and I had my finger hovering over the delete button. Because I was going to see like, why? <laughs> because I was going to give up writing. I was taking this as a sign that I shouldn't be doing this. That my job is to put other people's work out there. Not mine. I had my day in the sun and that was it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what he was doing. But anyway, yeah. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm going to continue writing. I had to stop and get a drink. And I am going to continue writing for the public, not just, oh, not just for, not just for me. I'm going to continue writing for other people as well because it's, it's other people. It's my audience. It's my readers. It's the people that I bounce chapters off of. It's Dave, which by the way, Penance is actually dedicated to you look at the dedication page, it says to Dave. And then it says why. <laughs> he says he cried. And then the last line where it says in your eyes, that is our song. It's Peter Gabriel, in your eyes, that's our song. So that will forever be immortalized out there in the world. You know, 
So <laughs> he's blushing now. It's really cute <laughs> because now he knows everybody that listens is going to hear this and is going to hear that he cried when he read the dedication. Um, the intro is kind of cool. I like the intro. I kind of got really personal with my intro this time. I figure I'm five books in. Y'all got to get to know me a little bit. Um, there are only four books that are actually published. The fifth book is in revision right now. So. Ulterior Motives. That's the fifth book. So, so far I have Eternally Bound, The Chosen, Musings from Me, Penance, and Ulterior Motives is over here in revision. Um... But yeah, that was that was my traumatic uh, birthing of my book, Penance. And it really was like a traumatic birthing. And all, you know what? I have three kids, three biological kids. I have six kids total, but three biological kids. And um, that all three of their births were traumatic. So why I would expect the birth of a book to be any less traumatic I mean, all of those births ended in hysterical tears. This ended in hysterical tears. It's one of my children. Okay, so yesterday I decided I needed to get out of the house. I needed to do something. Change of scenery. Um, let's go and do some research for Magically Bound because I am getting uh, not so gently prodded by my aunt now that she is waiting for this book. Um, and I work on it here or there, but nothing solid. So this is going to be my next solid book. I'm not going to be writing for the magazine. I'm not going to be writing another series for the magazine because I need to get Magically Bound finished. Now I may put up a chapter um, a little bit here and there from the from magically on the world of myth because I have an audience there and it kind of helps sell my books. Um, and I might throw up some of my poetry, but I'm going to be de dedicating my writing time now to magically bound and getting it finished. Um, it was really difficult. It's very difficult to split your time between projects when you have more than one project on the go. Like I write now, Penance is finished, so it's over there. It's done. But feasibly, right now, as we speak, uh, for works in progress, for books, I have Magically Bound. I have The Chosen, book two. I have uh, Her Viking and other stories. I have, uh, well, that one's not for... Let's we'll ignore that one for right now. Uh, the Lost Girls series, Ulterior Motives, The Rising. Um, yeah, I have a few on the go. <laughs> so these, I want to get all of these finished before my brain decides it's going to go off in a different direction and create something else. Kind of like Penance. That's how Penance happened. I finished The Chosen and I was supposed to be working on Magically Bound. Um, but somebody said, well, you need to start a new series or you need to, you know, write a short story for the magazine. <laughs> and so Penance was born. Um, and as I explained in my introduction, I have never written anything in a horror genre before. 
um, up until recently, I, like I would say the last two years, I didn't consider myself a horror fan. So, when I um, found, when I, when I realized I was a horror fan, um, I thought, well, let's try writing in the horror genre. Now, the only genre that I have not written in yet is sci-fi. So I may, no, no, I will not. I will not. I was going to say I may write a short sci-fi story for um, the magazine, but no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to be promoting the books that are already written. And finishing up the multitude of partially written books that I already have. So um, I decided that I needed to get out of the house and do something that was going to inspire me um, to get magically done. I, I had an idea in my head of what the, the town, the village looked like where... Um, Belle goes to sell her furs and where she meets Marcus. Uh, and if you've read Eternally Bound, you know who I'm talking about. If you don't, go read it. You're going to need to. Well, I mean, you're not going to need to because each book is a standalone book, but they are all connected. Uh, they are all bound together. <laughs> I like how I did that. Eh? Yeah, it was a good one. Um, so I thought this Pioneer Village was perfect. Now, it is a little ahead of where my story is set my story is set earlier in the 1800s this these houses and the general store and that are from a little bit later but things don't change a whole whole lot technology changes advancements in farming equipment and um things like that change the basic construction of a house bed flooring wood stoves, things like that, those don't change over a space of five to 10 years or 20 years even. So I figured it would be close enough, good enough for me to go and get a good idea of what I was working with. And it, it really worked. Like, First of all, I will say, as a paranormal investigator, holy crap! The 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 man-made town is, I mean, I, I get all towns are man-made, but this was literally man-made. Like, they trucked in the houses, picked them up from somewhere else, put them on the back of a truck, drove them to this spot, put them down. <laughs> and if you've ever, there's a show on, uh, I don't know if it's on A&E or Discovery, that... They all they do is move houses and how they actually lift a house and put it on the back of a flatbed truck and then move it is mind boggling. It's an entire two story house going down the road. <laughs> so anyway, so you go in, you pay and immediately you're met with the bandstand on the right or on the left. And there's a long road that goes off to the rest of the, the park and, and stuff. And there's kids off screaming. I had the entire place, for the most part, to myself. It was great. 
So I could wander at my leisure. I didn't have to go with a tour group because there are no, it's all online tour stuff. So I didn't download the app because I didn't want to hear the history of the houses. That's not why I was there. I am interested in the history of the houses, but that's not why I was there. I wasn't there for the history of where I lived. I was there for the history and the experience for the book I'm writing. I needed a visual. So, I mean, I know some people when they're writing their period pieces. Um, when they're writing their period pieces, they will dress in period garb with bustle and petticoats and everything and go frolic in the forest. Especially when they're stuck, when they've hit a block. That's how they get past their block. I don't have a forest in my backyard. I have a river. Um, but I do have a Pioneer Village just down the road. So I went and frolicked in the Pioneer Village. The next time I go, I do have a dress. And I did contemplate wearing the dress yesterday um, and my big straw hat. But I wasn't sure what the population of the place was going to be like. So I didn't want to look like a fool. But now I don't care. Um, it's a, a dress that was bought for me last two years ago in Florida. And I think it would be absolutely perfect to wear, to go frolic through the Pioneer Village. <laughs> and you know which dress I'm talking about because you and mom made me buy it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be perfect with a big straw hat? Yeah, see? So, okay. So you go and then there's the bandstand and there's a fire pit, which they actually had real fires there too. Um, so I had to scratch my nose. So you turn left and you go down the main street and then you, you go down the main street a little bit and on your right is the general store, but it's facing another street. You come to not a crossroads because it's a straight street and then a street that goes off a road. It's a road. It's a dirt road, more like a, a, a path. Um, you could only get one car down it. So you can imagine horse carts and, and, men on horseback and people walking and you hear the crunch of the rocks and the gravel like not real gravel like not gravel that they put on somebody's nice gravel driveway no this is just dirt with rocks and you hear that crunch under your shoes um and i think the next time i go to i'm going to wear a hard bottom shoe reminiscent of the kind of shoe that they would have worn so that i would get that audio sound because for me, I can take a sound, I can take a, a, a physical experience and then create the words to describe that experience. And that's, that's what I was looking for. So to the right is another road and you look down that road and at the end of the road, right, the road ends at the walkway to this house is this big grand house. Down this little road, there is the big grand house and the general store. That's it. You go down the main road. On the right is a um, red wood cabin. And that's when I noticed the door. The door was open a bit. Like, ooh. And then on the left is the First Methodist Church. And then you go down a little farther. There's the post office. There's a work barn where all the tools would have been repaired the horse um the yokes were all hanging in there all the 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 reins um 
stirrups, wood stoves that needed to be repaired, all were in there. And then next was the grain barn where all the feed would have been kept and the, the, the vegetables from the gardens. And it was really neat. And then at the very end of the street was the train station. Now, in my mind, I replaced the train station for the lumber yard, the shipping yard, and the docks. So that's where the docks would be. That's where the ships would come in. And I, I could just see the entire scene, the first scene of the book, when the ship blows up, playing out in front of me on this, like standing on this street. And I'm seeing it happening and people running and bell running. And then at first I thought, okay, the Red House was going to be Doc, Con Doc Connolly's house. But as I started walking around a little farther, I realized that the way they would have come when they would have walked up the street and around the corner to Pat and Patricia's house, that the big house that I saw at the end of that first road that I walked past would have been the doctor's house. Because he would have needed a big house like that because that's where his patients would come. And when you walk in, there would have been a patient waiting area to the left there would have been a parlor to the right and he would have seen patients in the back and that's exactly how this house was laid out when i went in it it was incredible anyway and he would have lived upstairs and there would have been like a dining room farther back um and him and patricia would have their bedrooms the kids bedrooms would have all been upstairs anyway so I go up the walkway to this first house and I walk up to the door and realize, wow, suddenly I am very, very tall because the doors were very, very small. Apparently people were short back then. And I actually, there's a, I made it, I took a video. I have to send it to Dave because it's hilarious. I took a video of me standing in the door frame. And I tipped the camera up and the, literally the top of the door frame, I could not have worn a bun. I would not have been able to get in the door. The door frame is right above, like maybe three inches above my head. <laughs> I felt like a giant walking into this house. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to walk in and step down. Nope. <laughs> there was no step down. <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, these houses were built for people my size. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> See, all you tall people are abnormalities. You are just weird. You're not like you. You were not around back in the day. The, the back way back, <clears throat> way back. They were short like me, and probably just as round. <laughs> Shut up. He's going USA. Yeah, they're probably short there too. Anyway, so I got to go in, and I I went in and I thought, you know what? I want the full immersion. I want to know what it would be like. So I turned around and I closed the door behind me. The minute I closed that door, this shiver went up my spine and you can hear on the video me going, oh, 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 it's intense in here. It was very, once I closed that door, it was very intense. It was like I had stepped back into time, into that era. And everything was all laid out. Um, I'm walking through. And they put you on the honor system. 
They really, really do. And it's a good thing I'm an honorable person because I came to one spot where there were stairs leading up to the upstairs of the house and all that was blocking the stairs was this thin braided rope just hooked over two eye hooks at either end. And I very easily could have moved the little pole to the side and unhooked it and gone up the stairs and had a look around. But I didn't. And you even hear me on the video going, oh, I hate being so honorable as I turn and walk away. Because for me, honor is something that I have to uphold with my conscience. It doesn't matter if other people see me being honorable and being honest and, and you know, obeying the rules of where I am. It's me that needs to know that I am being honorable and I'm being honest. And when it says do not enter, I don't break that. I don't enter because I have been told, please do not enter. This is not a public area. And I honored that. And I, sometimes it's frustrating and, you know, you don't get to do the cool things that all the other cool kids are doing. But I get to sleep at night with a clear conscience. I don't have to worry about having a few drinks and spilling all my secrets because I don't have any. When you don't keep secrets, when you don't create secrets, you don't have to worry about spilling those secrets. So, yeah, I was a little grumbly about the fact that I have a very strong um, moral and ethical code now. Gosh darn it. So I didn't go up those stairs. And there were weird things in each place. And I think it has something to do with the tour. Because in this particular house, there was an electric coffee pot. Um, in another house, there was an electric iron. And I think it's kind of, you know, can you spot what doesn't belong kind of deal. Like, they wouldn't have something like that back then. Things that we take for granted, they wouldn't have. Um, so it kind of ruined the 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 immersion for me when I would come across those it's like reading a really good book and coming to a, like a, a, a glaring spelling mistake or something or or you're watching a really good movie and you're sucked right in and all of a sudden you see the boom mic at the top of the shot and it takes you out of the shot it takes you out of the believability of the movie so it was very jarring I'm looking at this this pioneer kitchen and everything is laid out before me and there's an electric coffee pot. Wait, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not how they would have made coffee. They wouldn't have even had coffee. Probably. Well, they might have. I have to research that. But anyway, so I was, I was blown away at the fact that I could actually go inside these buildings. I mean, I, I think I frolicked across the road to the church because I was just so excited. <laughs> I can go inside. I can touch the wood. I can run my hands over the counters where countless pioneers came and bought their good. Like, you should have seen me in the general store, okay? Because that is where all of this begins in Magically Bound. She comes into town to sell the, the, the to bring in the furs that she had accumulated through the spring and to get her payment for the furs that she had dropped off in the fall and buy supplies for the summer. 
And that's where she bumps into Doss. You know I'm going to be writing after this podcast, right? <laughs> so that's where she bumps into um, Marcus Dawson. But I'm in and I can see her moving through the general store. And I can see like there she would get her loose leaf tea and here's where she would get her eggs. And then right over here is the apothecary where she would get her herbs and her tinctures to help with her monthlies and other womanly things and, you know, healing balms for burns and cuts. Because she lives, she lives up on a mountain by herself with a big dog. Well, a wolf, actually. Um, and like there was even the rock where she leaves Savvy when she comes into town. It was, yes, the rock was there. I showed you the rock, yeah. And the rock was right there. It was incredible. It was like, it was like walking onto the movie set of Magically Bound. It was, I would, and I even said that in the video I sent to you, I would love to shoot a movie here. I really, really would. Um, yeah, so I, I I have like my brain is spinning right now. I want to get in contact with the curators of the village and see because they have costumes there. I'm going to gather a few people and see if I can't do some promo videos in the Pioneer Village for Eternally Bound. And have them like have shoot the whole scene where she runs into Dawson or, or runs into Marcus at the general store. Or um, do some promos for, I would have to figure out how to do green screen um, so that I can change the train station to a shipyard. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's, I'm, I'm saying this and my, my director boyfriend is going, aha, 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 because he's seeing it too. Uh, we see in pictures. It's really weird. I finally, I met somebody else who actually sees in pictures like I do. So I'm walking through this village and I go into the church and the church is propped open. The church door is propped open and I walk into the church and the floor is creaking. And as I'm walking, it's not just creaking under my feet. It's creaking like people are, are shimmying down each row and taking their seats. And I walk up to the front and I'm checking out the, the pulpit and the two rows where the choir would sit um, so I, I, I have this urge to just sit down. So I sat down in the front row just to kind of absorb. And I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm still filming. I'd forgotten that I was still filming. And I was kind of getting the stained glass and the very simplistic style of the pulpit. And that's what, there was no altar. There was no pomp and, and, and ceremony. There was no grand carvings. It was a simple wooden pulpit with two candles on either side. And that's where the preacher would stand every Sunday and preach to the people. And I just, I don't know, out of nowhere started singing Amazing Grace. Like something just kind of overtook me. And I, I started singing Amazing Grace. Um, and I don't remember singing like I went back and watched the video. Like I remember starting to sing, but I don't remember finishing it. Um, but I felt very peaceful after. Like I kind of had said 
almost a thank you to the spirits that inhabited this village. I went to their place of gathering and honored their, their spirits by singing Amazing Grace for them in the church that they all attended. And it was, it was very cool. So the rest of, that was the second thing that I did while I was there. That, that was right off the top. So then the rest of my time spent within that village, I felt like I was being guided, that I, I did have company, kind of, of giving me little tidbits of, of inspiration and little tidbits of feeling and glimpses of what life was like in this place, in these buildings, not in that particular place, but in these places, in these buildings. Um, and you catch a lot of that on the videos that, that I, um, that I recorded. You catch a lot of that, that almost autonomous voice just reciting what was running through my head. Um, I couldn't go into the post office. The post office was closed for maintenance, um, which I was kind of bummed about, but that was okay because I really don't think there's going to be a lot of um, post office stuff that's going to be happening. She doesn't have any family, so nobody's going to be sending her a letter. I might set the post office on fire at some point. But that'll be about it. I don't need to know what the inside of the post office looked like. I know what the outside looks like. I described it. Uh, so I can set it on fire. <laughs> it's okay. So then after I did all that, I went through the... And I am kind of glad. Like, I wasn't going to go through the train station because that really doesn't have anything to do with the reason why I was there in the book that I'm writing. But I'm glad I did because there were things in the train station that do matter that do have are are involved with the book that i'm writing like the ice saws now these are huge nine ten foot saws with a handle on one end they're not like a tree saw that has the handle on both ends and they were used to cut blocks of ice out of the lake that's how the town got their ice in the winter to preserve their food. Um, they would cut these huge blocks of ice and they would use these great big huge tongs called ice tongs to pull it. If you've ever seen the movie Frozen, you see when they've got the big saw at the beginning and they're sawing along and then they pull. That is actually how they do it. No lie. That is how they do it. And there's these great big saws on the wall. Um, and then there was an ice box, a literal ice box. Now, my grandmother used to call the refrigerator an ice box. You know, go and grab me a, a pop from the ice box or go grab me the eggs from the ice box. That's what she called the refrigerator. This was where the term came from. It was an actual box for ice with, and you put the ice in on the top and you opened the door and you put the, the food in the bottom. <laughs> it, was, it was only like three feet tall. Really neat. Got video of that. And then there were the lumber saws, which I needed to see. I needed to see all the tools that would be in a lumber yard that they would use in a yum, lumber, a yumber yard, a yumber lard. Yeah, a yumber lard that they would use in a lumber yard 
because Marcus Dawson owns the lumber yard and the shipping or owns the shipping yard. So, you know, I needed to see all this stuff. Um, it was really kind of neat. And I got to see um, a rail bike and all of the lights, you know, the, they'd stand out there at the train with the lights and waving the lights. Got to see those. So then I came back out, walked back down the street. The way that Belle would walk when they were going to Connolly's house for dinner, I walked down that route, took a left towards Connolly's house. Now, it was funny because I decided this is going to be Doc Connolly's house. As I walked up, there is a sign on the door that says Doc, uh, Dr. Boyd, I think. I can't remember what the doctor's last name was, um, but it was the doctor's house. It was actually the doctor's house. So it was laid out like it was supposed to be laid out. So in I went, fell in love with the bookshelf. There were uh, first edition books there of the bee. And really, really, really old Encyclopedia Britannica. And I stood there and stomped my little feet and squeed because I have two sets of Encyclopedia Britannica. One isn't here, but the, the one that means the most to me is here. It's the one that my grandfather bought for my mom and my Auntie Kathy when they were in school. So to see an original set of Encyclopedia Britannica from the 1800s, no less, I mean, I just, I, I wanted to, to open the glass and touch them, but you can't get into the glass. But it was, it was so cool to see these. And I sent this video to Dave and he's like, oh, yes, yes, please. That is so cool. And then I showed him the bookshelf with the big glass doors and, oh, it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And then um, this house, I actually was able to go upstairs I go up the stairs, I round, I, I hit the landing, I turn to go up the next little bit of stairs, and what's there? Big creepy dollhouse. If you've ever seen any horror movies that involve an old Victorian home, you know there's always a creepy dollhouse that is modeled after the creepy Victorian home. And there it was at the top of the stairs, sitting there. Like, oh no. And I even say in the video, oh, I, I come, I come up the stairs and as I look up, I went, oh, creepy dollhouse. <laughs> there it is, right there. So at the top of the stairs is the nursery. And I go in and there's all the old books and the, the crib and all the little toys and the dolls that they would play with. Um, it was very, very neat to see all of this. And then the next room would have been like either a guest room or older children's room. They had a girl's bed and a boy's bed, uh, trundle trunks. Oh, and there was this trunk in um, the rail yard. And it looked like one of those trunks that you would find on like the Titanic that the rich would have all their clothes and stuff in, like those travel trunks. You'd pack the trunk and it would go on the train with you or, and it was uh, MHSH. 1714 and i think 1714 is the year or 1794 something like that is the year i don't know what the mhsh stands for yet if it was hm it would have been her majesty 
but I think it was MH. I have to go back and look, but it was really cool. I walked in and went, <gasps> I want that. <laughs> I've always wanted a trunk. I don't know. I just, I think they're cool. So yeah, it was, it was a really good experience for me. Um, I sat in the parking lot for the longest time after a, because, you know, I was in the car and enjoying the air conditioning and I was sitting down. I spent like a good three hours there, I think just wandering and I will be going back now that I know that it's by donation uh, and it's not far. So it's like <laughs> right down the road, five minute drive, six minute drive. Um, I will be spending a lot of time there. I, next time I did actually take a book with me and a pen to make notes and I didn't, I just shot video instead. I think the next time when I go, I'm going to take my um, Sony Handycam with me so that I can get some good video. And when I was in the general store, there is actually a video. Um, it's never going to be seen by public. Um, it, was, it was, I showed it to one person only because she knows me so well that she could overlook the moment. Um, I didn't even notice that the one wall had a mirror that went from one end of the mirror to the other. That's how caught up in the energy and in the flow I walked right past this mirror. This mirror was less than a foot and a half away from me. You actually see me turn towards the mirror and I'm facing the mirror and I did not see this mirror because anybody who knows me knows if I am filming something and I happen to come across a reflective surface or a mirror, I wave. It's just one of the, how you doing? <laughs> it's one of the things that I do. And I don't, I don't even acknowledge that there's a mirror there. I don't make a smart ass comment about, oh, no, no, you, nobody needs to see that. And, you know, quickly move the camera away, which is something else that I would do. Nope, don't even notice that that mirror is there. It's really weird. Um, the apothecary. Oh, that was so cool. And I did, I... I did catch a lot of paranormal activity when I went back and watched the video coming out of the kids room upstairs you can hear as i'm coming out you can hear a little kid's voice say hey as i'm leaving the room i was in the place by myself sent it to misha who was when i when i ran um beyond the known paranormal when i lived in midland she was my my um co-investigator her and i would investigate together we would take people on cemetery tours. We would go and cleanse houses. That's She was my partner. So I sent it to her and I said, check this out. Didn't tell her what. She messages back, I heard it. Heard what? She goes, I heard the kid. I heard the little kid. I'm like, yep. <laughs> so sent her a few more and she's like, wow. Oh, yeah. So in the apothecary, and I didn't even realize it at the time. It wasn't until I went back and I watched the video and I had to back it up a couple of times just to make sure that, you know, I wasn't matrixing or something. As I pan the camera across the light that's hanging, you see the light swaying. There's nobody upstairs. This is a one-story building. There's nobody else in the building. Nobody's banging on the wall. There's no earthquake. There is nothing to make this light. There's no breeze because there's no open windows. There's nothing to make this light swing. And there it is, swinging away. <laughs> so, I, and I didn't 
see any of this. You hear voices, um, footsteps, and those I did hear while I was there, but I didn't say anything because I didn't feel creeped out. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I felt after, like, at first I was kind of apprehensive and it felt like, this is going to be sound really weird, but it felt like the village was holding its breath. I think kind of waiting to see what kind of energy I was bringing into the place. And I think after singing Amazing Grace in the church, that kind of of made me acceptable to the spirits that were there. I paid homage to them. I honored them before I started walking in their territory, before I started invading their private spaces, like their homes and, and looking at all of their, their possessions. Um, I honored them first. So I didn't feel uncomfortable. I felt, you know, that, that creepy spidery feeling up your, but it didn't, I wasn't afraid of it. It was just, you know, this is really cool. I know what this is. <laughs> I know why I'm feeling like this. Let's go explore. <laughs> I'm not going to be exploring alone. Um, and as I'm talking about it, I have that feeling now. But I have that feeling for a specific reason. Which I'm going to tell you now. So that was my day yesterday. But it didn't start out like that. I went to the post office. Now... Last podcast, I was talking about the blinking solar lights. And I couldn't understand, couldn't explain them, freaking me out. And they'd started blinking during the podcast. So I went to the post office yesterday and I come out of the post office and there's these three guys, older guys standing there chit-chatting and carrying on. And I'm standing there waiting to cross. And the one guy sees one of my packages and he asks me, is that from this place? I'm like, yeah. And he has one too. So we got chatting. The other two guys are like, well, what is this place? So of course him and I are telling them about this place and that and we stood there talking for a while. And, um, I was making a crack about how I don't generally go out amongst the people because where I live on high street, I can look down on the people and wave from my tower. And the one guy says, uh, I think you might be living in my, my buddy Kevin's apart, old apartment. I'm like, um, maybe I knew I was because I knew the previous tenant. I didn't know him personally. I knew what his name was and how I got the apartment is he died in the apartment. So he's like, do you, uh, do you live over sweet pea? And I'm like, well, sweet pea and Gemini moon switched. So yes, now I'm over sweet pea, but I used to be over Gemini moon. And he's like, yeah. I said, I'm in the front. And he's like, yeah, you're in my buddy Kevin's apartment. And I looked at him and went, I'm so sorry. Because now I feel bad because I'm living in his dead buddy's apartment. You know, and the only reason why I'm in the apartment is because his buddy died. He had a heart attack, got pizza one night and didn't feel right. Talked to Joyce and said, you know, I don't feel good. I think I'm just going to go and eat and lie down. And had a heart attack and died. So um, the three of them, the three, the three guys, Murray, Brian, and John were Kevin's best friends. So I was telling them about the blinking lights. The three of them doubled over in laughter. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like the first thing they asked me was, is he still there? And I'm looking at these three guys that are like older guys. <laughs> it's, it's amazing the people that you come across that actually do believe in the spirit realm and the spirit world. Like these, you would never have suspected, like one was, you know, well-dressed, 
button-up shirt and and the other one was wearing a, a salty something or other on his shirt um, and Star Wars lettering and the other guy looked like somebody's grandpa so and I'm like well yeah <laughs> he is um, we've laid down ground and and the one guy's like do you ever poke you in the butt like oh yeah we've laid down ground rules there's no touching and the bathroom is off limits and they all started laughing and like, yeah, that's Kevin. So I started explaining the lights to them. Well, they just doubled over and they're like, oh, that is definitely something he would do. He took great pleasure in startling people in like he would jump out wearing a goofy mask and go, boo, scared the hell out of somebody. He thought it was hilarious. So that's how my day started was that, that having that connection to the spirit realm through through these three guys that were best. And as I was leaving... All three of them are like, well, tell them that we said hi. So I came home last night. I'm like, so, Kev, guess who I ran into? I walked in the door. I'm like, hey, Kev, like he lived here. Guess who I ran into today? <laughs> like, you know, you walk in the door and go, hey, honey, guess who I saw today? Yeah. So I told him that I ran into his three buddies and, you know. And now the lights haven't done anything funky since I did the the salt wash and all of the the cleansing and everything nothing funky has gone on since then so i came in last night or yesterday afternoon and i you know tell kevin i ran into his three buddies and i'm sitting here last night watching tv and all of a sudden the lights start blinking and they weren't blinking like they were before the first time they started blinking it was like a slow blink 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 Blink. Oh no, these are blink, 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 like they were having a epileptic seizure. And the closer I would get to them, they would start to blink faster and then they would stop. And if you don't believe me, ask Dave because I was sending him video proof as it was happening. He was getting the video of it as it was happening. And for some reason, it just, last night I felt kind of creeped out about it not about the lights i just i had a really creeped out feeling um but <laughs> that that was kind of explained later on so about 2 30 in the morning i decided it's time for me to go to sleep my legs have stopped aching enough that i could probably fall asleep without needing to move them i could probably lie still for a good 20 minutes and then i would be asleep so I shut everything down, say goodnight to Dave, we hang up, I put the phone on the charger, and I, I was at like 24%, so I thought, okay, you know, that's that's a decent draining, that it'll, it'll give it a good charge. Um, shut the lights off, situated my fans, got all comfortable, and I'm just about ready to start creating a dream scenario in my brain. I'm listening to the rain outside. There's no thunder. There's no lightning. It's just rain. Rain falling gently. You know, thumping on my windowsill. And then all of a sudden, dead silence. What? And then it's brighter than the surface of the sun in my room. Power went out. Now, I have smart bulbs in my ceiling fan in my bedroom and i have smart plug 
for my bedside lamp and I have smart bulb in the lamp in the living room. So when the power goes off and then comes back on, it switches all of those lights on. Scared the crap out of me. So I jump up to get ready to go and turn them all off and, and tell Alexa to shut them all down. And I get halfway around my bed and the power goes off again. Like, well, shit. Okay. So I wait. It's not coming back on. Like, did I blow a breaker? Because I have done that once. I blew a breaker in the apartment. I had something plugged in and something else plugged in and I blew a breaker. I know where my fuse, my, my breaker box is. It's in my cupboard, my dish cupboard. So I thought, did I, I have a lot of things plugged in. I've got three fans plugged in in my room and going. Um, I just got a new phone charger, three in one phone, like phone watch and, and headphone charger. Did, did, did I, did I blow a fuse? So I walk out of my bedroom and it's pitch black outside. The only lights that are on are the lights across the road at the water house, at the, the pump station, um, because they're generator. And the pump station's making a really weird noise, like a whine. I'm like, uh-oh. And the lights at the mansion house are off. The street lights are off. <laughs> There's no light anywhere and I'm like oh crap so I feel my way to the bathroom because the only room that has any semblance of light is the living room because of all the windows and it's dark and cloudy outside because it's raining there's no ambient light because the power's out so now I'm going by relative shape go to the bathroom come back out I'm like okay well Get out my camp flashlight, you know, the one that I spoke of at the beginning of the podcast that I made the cover with. Get the camp flashlight out, grab a book off the bookshelf, crawl into bed and go, well, now I need to read until my eyeballs burn because I'm not going to be able to just lie down and go to sleep. It's too quiet. I don't have my fans. It is 500, within minutes, it is 500 degrees in my bedroom. Within minutes. So... I come out into the living room. I thought, okay, well, I'll try and sleep on the couch. Well, my couch is very, very short. Yes, I understand. I am very, very short. But my couch is even shorter. And every time I would put my foot up over the arm of the couch, that creepy feeling that I had earlier in the evening comes back. And I yank my foot back thinking something's going to reach up and grab it. So... I sit on the, I lie on the couch and I can feel the cool air coming in from the window. And I'm like, oh, this is lovely. Hmm. I wonder if I could get that same effect from the window in my bedroom. So I go in and there's no air coming in the top part of the window. So I thought, okay, well, maybe because I have both parts open, it's kind of canceling itself out. So I close the bottom part, still no air coming in the top. Hmm. So I close the top, open the bottom as high up, like wine bottle length, because that's what I have to use to prop the window open. Cool air coming in. Okay, this is a little better. Open the curtains, flip up the the lace, and get back into bed. And I'm lying there. Like I gotta sleep eventually. Power's gotta come back on eventually. And then my phone goes off. I get a text message. Now, my hydro company, if you have signed up for it, will send you out alerts when the power goes out with an estimation of 
how long it's going to take them to fix it. Now remember, power went off at 2.30. This is now about 3.15, 3.30. Oh, okay. Well, let's see what they have to say. I've now put my phone in energy saving mode and I checked the text message and it says, estimated time of restoration, 5.45 a.m. So I toss and I turn and I doze for about 10 minutes and then I wake back up and then I flip over and, you know, I peel my skin off of whatever skin part it was touching and fan the sweaty area and try and go back to sleep. Get up at 6.15, 6.10, because of course, you know, over 50, have to pee again. Feel my way to the bathroom. Now, at this point in time, it is now becoming dawn. So I can see in the living room and I'm like, great. I'm awake. It's almost dawn. It's getting lighter. There's no fans. I can't close the curtain in my bedroom because then I'll be blocking the cool air coming in from the window. Life sucks. So I get back into bed and I lie there and I toss and I turn and I toss for about another hour and a half. And then all of a sudden, my fan comes up. Now, after the power had gone off the second time, I came out and I actually took the, I flipped the switch on the lamp to turn it off, which apparently you have to do it twice because it didn't turn it off. I climbed up onto my bed. Now, when I had turned the light off and then turned it back on with the chain on my ceiling fan the last time, I yanked the chain a little too hard and it flung up and wound itself all around the lights. So here I am in the pitch black on a really, really soft, wobbly bed. My mattress is smooshy. With shaky legs that are already sore from all the walking I had done. Trying to untangle this chain and not fall flat on my face on the floor. Get it all untangled. Turn the, pull it so that when the power comes back on, it's not going to come on took the light bulb out of the lamp beside my bed, got back into bed, and at 7.30, the power came back on. My one fan kicked on. I'm like, yes. The one on the end of my bed kicked on. I'm like, oh, yeah. The lights didn't come on. Even better. Got up, closed the curtain, closed the door, and then tried to turn my third fan on. My little box fan would not come on. Well, by this point in time, I don't care. I scooch myself so that I'm kind of diagonal, so the fan at the end of the bed's getting the bottom half of the body. The fan on the one side of the bed's getting the top half of the body. And I go to sleep. And I slept from 7.30 till 10.30. Which is why I am now an hour and a half into this podcast. And I'm still rambling. <laughs> I had no sleep. So uh, what it was, I, I did, when I finally decided to get out of bed, um, I did fix the other fans. So now all of my fans work. But now they're calling for more rain. And rain is lovely. Rain is lovely to listen to at night. A thunderstorm is great at night, but not where I live. Because where I live is a very small town. I don't even think we're considered a town. I'm not even sure if we're big enough to be called a village. I don't know. Um, the power infrastructure here is a little wonky. Uh, every time, like, there was, there was no thunder, there was no lightning, it was just rain. A lot of rain, but it was just rain, and the power went out. Power goes out a lot here, which sucks. So, 
I'm hoping to be asleep tonight before said power goes out. Although, the last time, the previous time the power went out before last night, I was in a dead sleep when the power went out and I woke up because my fans shut off. Jeez, I need a battery-operated fan for emergencies. You just don't know. You just don't understand. You really don't. I mean, there's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I got to sleep with a fan. and But, you know, you can do it if you have to. You can survive without it. Although, no, my boyfriend can't. We went to Big Bear two years ago for Christmas. And we figured, you know, there'd be fans in the closets. There was one fan. No, it was two years ago. Last year, we was at your house. The year before, we went to Big Bear. <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> we went to Big Bear for Christmas. <laughs> um, and we assumed there would be fans in the closets. Because they run this, this cabin resort place in the summer as well well there was a fan but his sister called dibs because she saw it first so we unpacked i think we spent the first night there without it didn't we yeah we spent the first night there without it and the next morning we got up and dave's like we're going to town i'm buying a fan <laughs> so he bought a travel fan it was a regular fan, but he called it the travel fan because he keep was keeping it in the Jeep. So wherever we went, if we stayed in a hotel, we stayed on a resort, we went to somebody's house, we had a fan. And you laugh, you jest. But I'm used to sleeping with a fan as well. And I didn't pack one. Don't know why. Because I was going to Dave's and I know Dave has a fan. Well, I was spending a few days in Florida first. My mother seems to think that having the air conditioning set to come on when it reaches 81 degrees in the trailer is acceptable. She is old and lizard-like. We have always said that she is lizard-like. She's always cold. So 81 is acceptable for her. A premenopausal woman? No, it's not. Am I supposed to listen to that right now? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, she had a heater that had a fan feature. So I had that on like inches from my face. It's I'm lucky I didn't roll over and fling my hair because it would have gotten sucked into the back of it. Um, but... I am going to pack because we're driving so I can pack my fan. I am packing my fan this year, taking my fan with me. I can leave it in Florida because I know there'll be one when I get to California, but I am packing my fan this year. It's going with me. I'm going to take it into the hotel with me. That's what I did when I drove to California. I took my fan in with me every night. Every night. Took my fan in with me. So, um, yeah, but, oh, it was a horrible sleep last night. So I can probably bet I'm going to not be awake for many more hours. It is six o'clock now. Uh, I imagine that I will be probably in bed 
shortly. I have to make dinner. <laughs> I have to eat. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not going to be up late tonight. Mm -mm. But uh, I am going to wrap this up because we are now an hour and a half in and now I'm just rambling. Oh, I did. I do have something else I want to vent about first. Okay, so I'm starting to see like the the uh, popularity of filming everything on your phone catching a karen in the wild um catching a racist being a racist in public is is all the thing now and now i'm seeing videos of kids are videotaping adults that they're claiming are bullying them or threatening them or being mean to them and this i saw a tiktok the other day of this kid was filming this woman and he's being very polite yes ma'am excuse me ma'am but you could hear the um smarminess smarminess in his in his tone and what he failed to do when he posted this video is he failed to edit out all of the stuff completely from the beginning of the video so you catch the mother that is standing on the corner yelling at these boys, you hear her say, I've had enough of you bullying my son. You need to stop bullying my child. Stop walking past the front of our house and threatening my child. And then she goes on to say that she's going to call the police, she's going to call their parents, and this kid is trying to play it off like this mom, this woman is is just threatening them out of nowhere, and and she's bullying them, and he's afraid for his life. That scares me. Because if I was that mom, oh, you bet your ass, I'm gonna be standing out there yelling at you if you're bullying my child, and I catch you. Oh, you better send your mama to talk to me. Because your mama's going to get a lesson in child rearing. Because if I catch you bull, yes, I will stand out there and I will yell at you. I will admonish you. And I will lecture you on what you should and should not do when it comes to regards to any of the little people that I call my children, biological or otherwise. So what he set out to do was to criminalize this mother, but he neglected to completely edit the beginning of the video. So if you had have taken the rest of the video without that bit, you may have taken it out of context. You may have felt that, yes, she was attacking these boys for no reason, for doing nothing more than riding their bike down the sidewalk. But she does make it very clear as she is yelling at them throughout this video that they do this repeatedly, that they bully her child, that they have terrorized her child repeatedly. And that, she also does state that the one boy that she's yelling at that's across the street, 
that they all got a three-day suspension for bullying her child. So what upsets me the most is that kids are now, and most kids, scarily enough, are way better at editing videos and putting together and blending videos than most adults are that have gone to school to learn how to do this. And they can do this all on CapCut or on TikTok with their editing tools. And what kids are doing, and you see these videos all the time, and now it's making me question some of them. Like, what drove this person to behave like that? And they're, they're putting these videos out there because they want to gain fame. They want to be felt sorry for and have this person doxxed because that's what's happening is people watch these videos. They go and find out who that woman is, where she works, where her children go to school, where her husband works, where they live. And then they go to their places of work and show them the video. And those people, those, that innocent woman would lose her job. For nothing more than protecting her child. So it, 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 it's really upsetting me. And I'm having a very hard time not commenting on these kids' videos. Because I don't want to look like the bully coming after this kid. And I think that's how they're getting away with it. Is that nobody wants to confront the child. Except for the brave mother on the video protecting her own child. Nobody wants to confront these kids. And these young adults, because you see not just little kids doing it, but you see 20-something-year-olds doing it. And you don't see the beginning of the video that led to where the person is being, quote-unquote, a Karen. All you see is where the person is in the middle of the tirade. Now, yes, there are some out there that are very racist are bullying hands down, no doubt. And that is one thing that, as a parent, if I'm going to berate a child for their behavior towards my child, I'm not going to be racist. I'm not going to be a bully. I'm going to be an angry parent, but I'm not going to be racist. I'm not going to be a bully because that's uncalled for. You don't need to be that to get your point across. And I'm not that, so... Anyway, that's the last thing I'm going to rant about today. Thank you for hanging out with me for um, an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> this kind of makes up for me missing last week. But last week I was ass deep in drama happening in my book. I think, no, I think I was done writing. I was just, my brain was done. I had just finished writing. I just finished the book and my brain was fried. There was nothing that I... I you would have just... Blah, 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 blah. That would have been it. And then probably snoring for the next hour. There would have been nothing of value in my podcast. Not that, you know, there is anything of value in my podcast. You know, some of you may think it's crap anyway. But, you know. All right, everybody. That is it for this week. Um, nothing really exciting coming up this week. But we'll see. Oh, wait. Yes, there's the duck races this weekend. So that could be exciting. Who knows? Rubber. Yeah. Okay. So what my town does is they're completely shutting down my entire street 
for Saturday, starting at 8 a.m. Saturday morning until I think 5 or 6 p.m. Saturday night. There's going to be live music. There's going to be vendors. And they release, you can go and bet on one. They're all numbered. You go and bet on a rubber duck, a little rubber duck. And they release them upstream in my river. And then they race them. They float down the river and around the bend and over the falls. And whichever duck makes it over the falls first is the winner. And they have like cameras set up because sometimes it's a photo finish. Well, every time it's a photo finish because you have this mass amount of duck going down. Rubber ducks! Little rubber ducks! There will be pictures. Trust me. There will be pictures. It's hilarious. The very first time I came up to visit Crystal when she lived here, she took us to the duck races. And this is actually the first time. Because last year I was in California visiting during the duck races. Last year. Um, so, yeah. I will be... Uh, I will be here for the duck races this year. So, um, that's going to be happening. So, we'll talk about that next week. And any normal... Any other paranormal happenings in my uh, neck of the woods um, and go buy my book Penance it's available you can get it at mythmart.com and any other place that you buy books all right everybody have a good week you know the drill be kind and don't lick shit all right see ya Carry on my way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.